Um, maybe God's just messing up slides because I need to hear that song. That You need to hear that song, and that song goes with the text. 1 Samuel chapter 12 this morning, and it reminded me um, uh, the author of Amazing Grace, Mr. Newton, when he um, he he's like me, a long he was like me, a, a long-term pastor um, in the same place, uh, kept preaching until he couldn't remember. He was losing his memory. I guess they didn't diagnose it in those days. He probably had Alzheimer's. And uh, one of his last sermons, he got up to preach, and uh, he he got to this point and just couldn't remember anything. And he says, okay, congregation, you know, I've been here a long time. I'm, I'm obviously losing it. But two things I do remember. Number one, I am a great sinner. And number two, Jesus is a great Savior. And when I heard that story, I said, you know, I'll never forget that. Because that's it. If you just get that, you got enough. Um, and I prayed when I heard that. I said, you know, Lord, I want, I want that. I want to always be... Re- be able to remember, I'm a great sinner, but I have a great Savior. And 1 Samuel chapter 12 is, is a passage about understanding both. We're great sinners, but we do have a great Savior. It's a great passage about getting back on track after you've uh, been caught in great sin. Uh, I like to think about it as a passage where you get the finger, you ever gotten a finger? I'm not talking about the third finger. I'm talking about the first finger. You know, it's one of those, you know, those kind of fingers. Uh, I saw it happen at uh, our last uh, church finals basketball. Um, if those of you who were over there for the, the finals, I think it was the girls' finals. Some guys were playing too. It was over at Oakwood. But there were some guys who came in during the, during the game, and they sat in a place, and I don't know what they said or what it was, but the referee heard it. And the referee turned, stopped the game, pointed at somebody, and he's like, everybody like, who, me? He pointed and says, we're not going until you leave the gym. Gave him the finger, you're in trouble, get out and get out now. You know, have you ever had the finger? You know, I remember coming home uh, as a kid, you know, after I got my driver's license, and I had been told to do things, at home before the sun goes down, but you know when you get your own wheels, somebody gives you an opportunity to go play some ball or do something. It's like, hey, let's go, let's just go, and you forgot what you were supposed to do at home. And as soon as you hit the door, you get the finger. Dad says, you know, come here. And three things happen when you get the finger. Number one is, I better have your attention, and I better have it now. And you, whatever else you were thinking about, don't even go to the bathroom. You come right now. You know, you understand when you get the finger. Attention is required. Second thing required is assessment. Do you know what you've done? And you better know. Denial is not an option. You need to think, and you need to think quick. You need to assess the situation, figure it out quickly what you have done and number three you need to find ways to make it right action you get all of that in first samuel 12 and we need it we need it from our moms and dads we need it from our god he certainly gives that to us here we see uh this this need to stand at attention we see this need to come and see what we've done what we need to do 
um, the action that needs to follow. So <coughs> let me just remind you, we finished up chapter 11 last week. So they, they just are coming away from this, this glorious victory. Remember, they got the new king. It's Saul. Uh, they had this enemy, the Ammonites, that wanted to gouge out their right eye. They take them on. They go to battle. They're coming back from battle. They're victorious. They're ready to celebrate. They're ready to have a party, and they get the finger. Samuel's waiting on them. They're all coming out of battle, celebrating the king's there, and they get the finger. He says, yeah, I know that was fun, but do you know what you've done? Don't think I forgot your sin. They immediately get, you need to stand at attention and listen to what's happening. Notice the command to stand. Verse 7 says, now take your stand. I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did for you and your father. But stand, it, stand here. I need to do some pleading with you and with the Lord. Verse um, 16, again, even now, take your stand and see. Uh, let's back up. Let's go to verse 1. Then Samuel said to all of Israel, Behold, and the word behold means stop and look. Pay attention. And Samuel saying to Israel, to all of Israel, they're all coming out of this battle, uh, ready to celebrate. He says, now listen, I have listened to your voice, verse 1, and all that you said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. Now here's the king. I mean, he's right there. Here's the king walking before you. But I'm old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my youth even to this day. It's like, okay, I've been listening to you, right? You need to listen to me. You need to listen to me. This is serious, and you need to get it. Verse 3, here I am. Bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind the, my eyes with it? I will restore it to you. They said, you didn't defraud us or oppress us or take anything from any man's hand. Verse 5, so he said to them, the Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have found nothing in my hand. And they said, he is witness. Uh, what's Samuel doing? He's just saying, look, do I not have your interest at heart? I know I'm, I, I, I've been around a while. I've been your preacher for a long time. But can you see, I have not been here just to get rich. I haven't been here stealing from you. We've had an agreement I've done my part. You need to now do your part. He says, time to listen. It's time to get serious. It's time to pay attention to what God wants to say. <coughs> so, verse, verse 6. So Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought up your fathers from the land of Egypt. Now let me tell you what he's fixing to do. He's going back to Moses Remember last week, one of the beauty, beautiful things that we saw about our God is he hears his people's cry. And you see it again in this chapter. And Sam is going to do a quick review. God hears his people. He has chosen a people. He wants to bless a people. When did he start that? He started with Moses. He heard the people's cry, and he raised up Moses. And then Aaron. 
And he's going to take us. What comes after Moses and Aaron? Well, there's Joshua and then the judges. Samuel's one of the judges. He's actually the last judge. He's going to take you on a quick review of God being there for his people. And he's showing them, but you, the people, have not been there for God. So let me take you through that review. Verse 7. So now, take your stand. Listen to this again. It's what he's saying. That I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did for you and your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and set, settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the army, of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Again, they cried out to the Lord, and he said, we have, and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Asherahs, and, and now deliver us from the hands of our enemies, and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jerubbabel, another name for Gideon, and Bedan, and Jephthah, and Samuel. Now we're current. Now we're up to date. And delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around so that you lived in security. When you saw that Nahash, that's the battle they just just destroyed Nahash and his troops. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, although the Lord your God was your king. See, their sin was they wanted another god. Verse 13, now therefore, here is the king whom you've chosen. Again, he's right here in front of us. Saul's right there. Whom you have asked for, and behold, the Lord has set a king over you. Now notice two things, verse 14 and 15, two ifs. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. Verse 15, if you will not listen, to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. <coughs> Notice those two things. Don't miss this. Number one, God grants mercy when you fear. Verse 14, if you will fear the Lord, God grants mercy when you fear. When you fear the Lord, when you listen to the Lord, when you pay attention, when you adore Him, when you engage with Him, when you follow Him, that's what He's saying. God grants mercy when you fear. Number two, verse 15, God grants misery when you forget. God grants misery when you forget. When you don't pay attention, when you ignore the Lord, when you forget you are His people and don't follow Him, you should expect misery. And you don't seem to get that picture. Listen. Take your stand. Pay attention. God grants mercy when you fear. God grants misery when you forget you know we need to listen to god you don't get the benefits without listening uh if whatever your favorite radio station is if that genre of music is coming to town basically somewhere close in concert they usually give away free tickets and the reason they give away those free tickets 
is why? To get you to listen. You don't get the benefit if you don't listen. And they promote this to get you to listen longer, or more frequently, all day long, whatever. The same is true with our God. God says you don't get the benefits if you just don't listen. <coughs> so many times we, we may hear the Word of God, but we really don't listen. I've heard pre- people um, in the congregation say, boy, that was, that was a good sermon. Um, so-and-so really needed to hear that. You know, or, and, and how many times does the Word of God come at you and that's really your practice? You know, the preacher is talking about giving or tithing. or Yeah, somebody really needs to hear that, but that, I don't do that part. Or the preacher's talking about child-rearing, biblical child-rearing and education. Yeah, that, somebody needs to hear that, but I don't do that part. Or the preacher's talking about small groups and accountability and growth and discipleship. Yeah, people need to hear that, but I don't do that part. And you don't get the fact, you're not listening. This is God's word to us. And we don't get to choose not to do that part. We need to hear what God is saying is His revelation and word to us. We must listen, because if we listen, if we fear, we get mercy. If we choose to forget, ignore, we get misery. And the people of God, you know, they like the good times. They like the victory. They're coming back from that. Samuel says, but you need to listen. Hear the command of God. God is speaking to us. Now, why do we not sometimes listen? I think the reason we sometimes don't listen, even though it's God's word to us, is because we really don't think our sin is that bad. If our sin's not that bad, we don't really need to listen. And that's why God takes us in 1 Samuel to a graphic illustration of, no, get this, your sin is really bad. Notice where he goes. We stop, verse 16. Even now, take your stand, and circle this, and see. Okay, I've got your attention. Now you need to see something. You need to see how bad your sin is. And I'm going to show you how great God's mercy is. Well, first of all, we need to see. He says, I want you to see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Verse 17. Is it not the wheat harvest today? You know, of course, everybody's going to be nodding their head. Yeah, it's time for the wheat harvest. I will call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and then you will know and see that your wickedness is great. See that? I want you to see how bad your sin is. I want you to see your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord by asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain at that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Notice what's happening. <coughs> is it not wheat harvest? Their wheat harvest is, would be similar to ours. They had a very distinct dry season. God 
blesses farmers with a dry season to harvest their crops, especially a wheat crop. You need it to be dry for harvest. So he said, is it not wheat harvest? Meaning, are we not smack in the middle of the dry season? Uh, there, it, from about April to October was the dry season. It rained the rest of the time. But that was the dry season, and in the middle of the dry season was wheat harvest. doesn't rain now. doesn't rain during this time. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little prayer here, and I'm not just going to pray for rain. I'm going to pray for thunder and rain. I want God to shake y'all up so that you can see how great your wickedness is. And, the, you know, we got at least 330,000 men, right? We saw that last week. Soldiers in this congregation, their family and children come out to uh, hear this sermon to celebrate the victory. So we got a huge group here. Is it wheat harvest? Yes, it's wheat harvest. It's going to thunder and rain. I'm going to pray. It's going to happen right now. And they're saying, yeah, right. It doesn't, it doesn't ever rain now. It's not a cloud in the sky. This is dry season. Samuel makes the prayer, and the sky rumbles with thunder and shakes, and rain comes down. And if that's not scary enough, they begin to realize, wait, that's our livelihood. We need that wheat. God has got their attention. Remember, if you fear, there's mercy. They now say, we need to fear. We, we need to fear God because our wickedness is great and we are people who need mercy. Do we get that? Let, let's look at the list of sin God gives us, deeds of the flesh, a minute. Look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. <coughs> Excuse me. Galatians 5. That's why I chose it. Galatians 5, 19. says, Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious. They're evident. Which are, and he starts a list. Immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Wait, stop with me. Is any of that stuff bad? I mean, we're living in a culture that says, no, there's nothing wrong there. I mean, immorality, we, we just do some things, or impurity or sensuality. Uh, do you kiss before marriage? Do you make out before marriage? Is that not sensuality? Do you... Um, sex text, what do you call that? I forget the name for it. Sexting, yes. Uh, do you do that? Is that not sensuality? Is that not immorality? Do you go too far? Do you, do you revel in envy? Do you make pornographic pictures on your phone to send to your friends and buddies? I mean, that kind of stuff is commonplace. We say, well, it's not so bad. It's just personal use, our stuff. I want you to start thinking, is it, is it really bad? 
Verse 20, idolatry. Do you ever put anything between you and God that you love sometimes more? Is that bad? Sorcery? Do you, do you ever believe in, in, in powers and authorities and spirits and demons and as though they're, they're, um, they're making things happen? And they even overrule the plan of God. Is that bad? Enmity? Are you, are you ever at odds with God, with others, so that you get to strife, jealousy? Do you want things that God hasn't given you? You just want them. Outburst of anger. It's, it, it was just a little blow up. Is that bad? Disputes. Uh, we weren't fighting, we were just arguing. Uh, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Well, it was just one time I went a little too far. Carousing. And things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things go to hell. Okay, is it bad? It's bad. The people who practice these things and they practice them in the church, it's bad. Because this list is describing people who go to hell. But we get this mentality, it's, our sin's not so bad. I don't need to listen to God tell me this. It's really not that bad. And then thunder and rain, or maybe it's not thunder and rain. When your appliances break down at the worst possible time. When you get sick at the worst possible time. When you have issues at work or in the home at the worst possible time. When you should be having a victory or a harvest. Does it not sometimes get through to your skull? Maybe God is trying to get me to see how serious my sin is. Maybe this is thunder from heaven. And if I would hear it, there's mercy. Because those who fear get mercy. But those who forget and push it off will get the misery that comes with these things. That's the message that God's trying to to present to us and get us to see just how serious our actions really can be. We need to get to the place where our heart hates sin. We really see how wicked we are and we hate it. Well, I want you to see God's grace. Back in 1 Samuel, verse 20. Samuel said to the people, do not fear. Different kind of fear. I mean, you're not going to hell right this moment. There's chance. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. Because that's where the mercy is at. Serve the Lord, catch this, with all your heart. Remember, that's one of the themes of the book. You're going to have a half heart for God or a whole heart. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Pay attention. Hate your sin. 
Turn back to the Lord and serve Him with all your heart. Verse 21, you must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which can prop, cannot profit or deliver, because they're futile. These, these things that you feel like you must do and they're not that bad, trust me, they're futile. They're not taking you where you want to go. They're not taking you to a place of mercy. They're taking you to hell. Verse 22, for the Lord will not abandon His people on account of His great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make a people for Himself. <coughs> Stop and just think about that a minute. The Lord will not abandon His people. It's called grace. Just let that soak in a minute. It says, Jacob came, Moses came, Aaron came, Joshua came, the judges came. Do you not see the people forgot, 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 forgot? Do you not see this great thing that comes from God is he, when he spoke to Abraham, said, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. We have a God that does not want to abandon his people, but he expects his people to follow. If you will turn and if you will follow, you have a God who will extend to you grace. That's amazing. Who is a God like that? Just stop and, 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 and contemplate that. Let that soak in. He should, he should wipe us all off the earth. We should be in the pits of hell right now. But he's a God who doesn't want to abandon us. That's pretty awesome. So see how great your sin is, but then see how great God's grace is. And how amazing that grace is. Let's not be afraid to turn and come back to God because His, God, His grace is so amazing. Um, I had this dog once. It was a short hair uh, pointer somebody gave me. And I was <clears throat> living out in the country and was going to use the dog for quail hunting. And so I had to train it a little bit and... Um, I'm a terrible dog trainer, and, and this dog was stubborn, and the previous owner must have beat the dog plumb to death, because um, if, if you picked up a switch or something, the dog would just immediately cower down, and it was worthless, you know, so I said, man, this dog's been beat or something, it's scared to death, so I asked an old-timer, you know, what do I do to train this dog, and he said, well, get you a switch, but don't get the, the typical, typical kind of switch that's just, you know, a whip kind of thing. Get one with a lot of dry leaves on it. And you won't use it to hit the dog. You just use it to scare the dog. And you ever heard a switch, you know, if you go, well, that's, that's the whip kind of switch I'm talking about. You put one with leaves on it, dry leaves, instead of going, it goes, well, scares the dog. So you grab the dog by the collar, you go, and the dog goes, ooh. I mean, you don't even hit him, but it, it, he thinks he's been beat to death. So I would do that a few times. Then I'd walk over, leave the dog, walk over here, and say, all right, Dot, come here. Dot would immediately run to me, sit right down beside and start licking my hand. The dog thinks I just literally killed him, and now it was a she. She, she obeyed. The dog got something that is so slow for us to get. The same owner 
that just disciplined me loves me and feeds me food and water every day and takes care of me and will never abandon me and wants to be there. I need the discipline. I need the owner. And that dog finally got that, that she was well-loved. And when she saw she was so well-loved, it helped her deal with the sin and the disobedience. God wants us to see both in 1 Samuel. Once you see how great the sin is, you need the thunder from heaven. But you've got grace from God if you will follow. And you'll come to him and fear him and adore him. And you will see God forgives and welcomes us back into his loving arms. See sin, hate sin, turn from sin, turn back to God, love God with your whole heart. And then it's time for action. Verse 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and right way. Samuel had the gift of a pastor. He's supposed to preach. He's supposed to pray. He picks up on his giftedness and says, we need to turn back to God. We need to quit our sinning. Far be it from me to not see sin as serious. You have rejected me as your leader. You've chosen Saul, but you didn't really just reject me. God told me you rejected God. I've gotten past that. My job needs to continue. I'm going to keep preaching and teaching, and I'm going to keep praying. Even though you got a king, that's why I'm giving you the finger today. You need the instruction of God. You need people to plead before the throne of grace for you, I'm going to keep doing that. So that's, first of all, that's Samuel's example of what he's doing. Verse 24 says, Only, this is your part, fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. You see that theme again of wholehearted love for God. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. Sounds just like Galatians 5. You're going to be cast off into the pits of hell. So you have a choice here to turn, to follow God, see serving God, and it's not going to go well for you. It's going to be misery. Think about our gifts. You say, well, David, I'm not the preacher. My job description isn't instruction and prayer. What do I do? Uh, Let me just remind you of a quick passage. 1 Peter chapter 4 makes it real simple. I love it as far as giftedness and thinking about our service. First Peter 4, verse 10, As each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We use our gifts for one another. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter categories. He says, when you're speaking, think about what you're saying and say it as though it were God speaking through you. You're a vessel. You're a channel for God. So say stuff that's consistent with the word of God. 
if you're serving, do it as a vessel of God. Do it as though you are God's hands and feet and you are serving the body of Christ that he loves with your gifts and your ability. So you have to engage one another with speaking and serving. Let me share with you one other passage. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. This passage is on prayer, so it's consistent with Samuel's prayer. But I, I want you to see the perseverance. <coughs> Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Uh, this is that parable on par- prayer where the guy just keeps uh, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door um, for something. Verse 8 of Luke 11 says, I tell you, even though... He will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And then verse 9, God says, keep, keep seeking, knocking. Um, persist is, is, the, is the lesson there. I want to ask you, whether you're speaking or whether you're serving, are you persisting in ministry? What's your long-term ministry for God what are you doing for 30 40 50 years are you persisting in prayer far be it Samuel like me I need as a pastor say far be it for me God that I quit praying for New Covenant Church after year 20 say well you know I've been doing it long enough God I want you to persist This is something I've called you to do until death. I want you to persist at this. I want you to persist at teaching them. We need this long-term focus. That's where Samuel was coming from. He says, I am in this with you till I die. I'll keep teaching you what God gives me, and I'll keep praying for you. How about you? What's your part? How are you following And you think about where God's got you in ministry. What your service can be. What your prayers can be. They're powerful. And it's it's our way of fearing God. It's our way of adoring God. It's our way of giving back. God, this is what you want me to do until death. To do anything else is sin. And sin is serious. It leads to misery. I need obedience that leads to mercy. And leads to fruitfulness. There needs to be an action plan. Do you know what you've done? Yeah, I'm persisting in what God's called me to. Whether it's a service, whether it's a speaking engagement, I'm doing it for the Lord and I'm doing it long term. Be able to say like Samuel, you know it more popularly from Joshua, and that is, as for me and my house, Samuel says, far be it for me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have this option to fear him or to forget him. Far be it for me that I choose to forget him. I will serve the Lord. I encourage you again to be able to say in your own heart, with a whole heart, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to turn from sin. And I'm going to turn back to the Lord. I don't want to hear this thunder any more times than I need to. I don't want the tragedy at the worst possible time. I want the mercy and grace that God extends. Let's pray together. Father, we all 
fall off the wagon. We all get off the trail. We're all like sheep. We go astray. Thank you for the grace and mercy of 1 Samuel 12 to get us back on track, to get us thinking again how serious it is to turn from the Lord to our own way. Father, let us turn back to you. Let us seek your mercy and grace, whatever the sin your spirit has convicted us of this morning. Let us not walk out these doors and forget it. Lord, let us turn from it. Let us turn back to be fully engaged in ministry for you 24-7. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us mercy and grace. We worship and adore a God that does not abandon his flock. We thank you, O Lord, for your faithful persistence with us. May we be a faithful people that persist in wholehearted love and devotion to you and your church. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.